Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, Rabbi Congregation Kol Israel in Brooklyn, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. This week, I'm talking with Ellie Liebowitz. Hey, Liebs. Hey, how you doing? Hey, so I don't always uh, use people's nicknames, but I feel like in this case, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> well, Yosef had a nickname, so it makes sense. Ah, nice. There you go. Um, good tie-in. Um, so would you mind uh, introducing yourself to people that don't know you? Sure. Uh, my name is Ellie Leibowitz. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, for those people that don't know what Chicago is. Um, <laughs> I am a stand-up comedian um, that often, who often performs for Jewish audiences at you know, synagogues, Pesach programs, Sheva Brachot, other places Jews eat. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 and I've known you since Camp Stone, well, YU, and also Camp Stone. Yeah, a little Camp Stone, YU, Biltmore, all that right. stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've always kind of figured that, like, comedians are, like, educators in their own right. Um, so obviously I've normally been doing, like, more classic educators but i feel like comedians like on some level are like that too yeah i mean rabbis have told me they said oh you can actually tell people like musser and like rebuke in a way that i can't because i can you know if i say something real they're like oh he was just joking right. and uh i could i could you could get away with a lot more because right. people won't take you seriously but you could also have it's also a better if you need a message across uh, to get across, you you can uh, you know get you can send, get a message a lot a message across a lot better um, with humor rather than just straight up, hey, this is what you should be doing. Right, and I feel like we're used to that with news at this point, even though we might not think about it. Like with you know, I mean, John Stewart originally, but like you know, all the late night shows, John Oliver, you know. Um, you know, all this, all the different things. Um, we're used to that with news, but not usually with Torah. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I think like, like the onion or something like that can really, really say some really poignant things because it goes for the humor jugular and just will be like, you know, that's why when I was in YU, we started the quipster, which is like the satir- satirical version, right. you know, poor man's version of the onion. And we had some really, <laughs> you know, funny headlines and like, concepts that I, I think I wrote once I said why you ignores some problems and install slurpee machine instead um, <laughs> and you just get you can you can really get to the heart of it, something because you can kind of attack it directly in an underhanded right. way right instead of like getting all mad that they don't solve major problems but like adding little perks yeah because like, also it's much funnier now. well especially with the way the internet is and the way dialogue is or isn't anymore everyone's just yelling at each other. So if you kind of right. make a sarcastic joke about something, you'll get people's attention more because nobody will want to hear a certain point of view. Unless like, if you have like an underhanded, you know, I think like, like Colbert's, you know, the Colbert rapport was much more successful um, because it was satirical and everyone right. was a lot more receptive to it to be like, Hey, he's doing a character, but it was like so over the top that you're like, right. okay, this is interesting. Cool. Um, and, and your, your stuff is usually like, I mean, it's pretty Jewy. 
Oh, very much so. Like <laughs> I, somebody, I, I was on a panel. We, we did a show at the JCC um, with Mike Kaplan, who actually, you know, did a, I did a show with at your shul, um, yeah. at Cole Israel and the congregation Cole Israel, right? Is that CKI? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, CKI. And we, one of the questions on the panel was how does Judaism affect you know, your comedy. And I said, I don't know if you watched my set, <laughs> but it's pretty much everything. I mean, I also say, like I said, I, I got a fortune cookie a couple of months ago that said a sense of humor is one of your greatest assets, which was awesome to get. But I said it was way better than the fortune cookie I got last Christmas that said, you're probably Jewish. So, <laughs> um, no, but, but no, but Judy's appropriate coming up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I know the how. The holiday of Chinese is coming. A Chinese, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Chinese food is coming up. Um, no, but, but yeah, my, my humor is very Jewish oriented. But I think that's that's definitely the case because comedy is very Jewish to begin with. But also, right. when you know, it's about I, I talk a lot about you know you know I, I'm as somebody who's Orthodox, I talk about Orthodox Judaism and stuff that happens in like in synagogue, but also stuff that you know, I have stuff that happens in the Torah and stuff like that. And that I think we all know, or we all may be thinking. Um, and it, it definitely shapes a lot of my comedy. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into our, our conversations, I just want to give a quick uh, summary of the Parsha like I do every week. Um, I'm going to try to actually stick to 30 seconds because I think it's possible this time. So Parsha's yeah. by Igash. Yeah. So Judah responds to Joseph's wanting Benjamin to stay behind enslaved. He pleads and even offers to take his place. Joseph decides to reveal his identity to his brothers and instantly asks about his father. Joseph tells them to move to Egypt and go back to get their father and come back. God assures Jacob that this will be okay and he will become a great nation. The seven bad years continue, and the Egyptians are forced to plead and even sell their land or themselves to Joseph to get food. Meanwhile, Joseph's family in Goshen grow prosperously. Oh, there you go. Hey, there you go. I did it. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Uh, um, so now that we've just put out what the Parsh is about, it's pretty simple just because there's a lot of dialogue. So um, within that dialogue, there's a lot to talk about. But yeah, for a summary, it goes pretty quickly. Um, I'd interested. I'd be interested to hear like what you were thinking about. Well, there are a couple of things. I would just – a couple of random thoughts that I thought of. First of all, I remember uh, thinking like – that it's that up until this point, up until the like the Yosef story, all of the narratives are pretty like set by Parsha. So it's like, you know, Yaakov's whole thing with Lavan running away, and then like the confrontation with Asaph, and then Yaakov's whole thing. But it's like each Parsha. This is the first, you know, narrative that really spans a few different Parshios and starts with Vayeshev and you have Kates and then Vayigash. I mean, it's it's good for a Broadway musical. But um, I think a few years ago, I wrote a joke. I said that uh, they were going to, when Peter Jackson's The Hobbit came out, everybody was saying how, like, how they make it into three movies. I said, well, they were originally, the Yosef story was going to be in one partial, but Peter Jackson said it should be three partials. So, um, and it's actually like three and a half, actually, because right. also it like has a little of, bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how it, like, it just kind of expands beyond this. But I think part of that is it is such a, I think the the attention they want the Torah wants you to draw is like the parallels that you see from the beginning of the story and to the end of the story. There's a lot of like, you know, parallel things that happen, either the wording or the characters that are speaking 
And so like um, a big idea that I, I, I saw here was like, um, like Yehuda is the one. So, you know, last week's Parsha ends on a cliffhanger of like, you know, Benjamin getting the, getting framed by basically putting the cup in his, in his sack. And at first right. of all, I noticed when I was reading it at the end, it's, it, you know, the brothers say something they said, you know, they say whoever's sack the cup is found in should die. And I went reading that. I'm like, oh, so you didn't learn the lesson. Cause like a few partials ago, Yaakov says, whoever stole oh, right. your idols should die. And, right. you know, <laughs> and like, and then the, the parentheses say, oh, by the way, he had no idea that Rachel stole the idols. Right. Um, Ted, he, he didn't know, know his wife had stolen his yeah, love. Like, think, first of all, it's ironic that yeah. like Benyamin is the same thing almost. But, yeah. like, but like the, I just find it, it like maybe guys go easy on the, hey, maybe people shouldn't die if until you know who stole, who took something potentially. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a lot of that too, because it's like people choosing favorites of kids. It's like, come on. Come on, uh, Yaakov, don't choose a favorite. That, that didn't work well with you. And like, what are you? And then at the end, what are you doing, Yosef, choosing a favorite again? I mean, that's in Vayeshi, but still. Well, that's what I actually, I actually said. I think Rabbi Sachs or Jonathan Sachs has a similar idea. Like, um, you know, that the whole, you know, the whole brotherly situation and choosing a son, a favorite son, is the entire kind of book of Vayeshi. It's all about sibling rivalry, and that. In and I say that like you know it's a, it's almost like a whole lesson that we're like we have to learn through Barishis and then in Shemos finally you have Moshe and Aaron and when Moshe finds out that he's going to be the leader he says what about my brother Aaron and like I think when Aaron finds out it's just that if Aaron knew right. when he greeted Moshe that it would be written in the Torah I think Rashi says like oh he would have come with a whole like you know you know uh, entourage and, and greeted him with a whole fanfare. And, it, and it's like the idea, like these are the two brothers that are going to lead these people, you know, uh, into redemption, into redemption, because there's two brothers who finally learned the lesson of like, okay, like get over the sibling rivalry. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And um, no, but, but, but I was, um, yeah, but, but just with this idea of like, um, so the, I think the Torah tries to like purposely draw your attention to what's happening and the way the way people are are, uh, are behaving or speaking to say like okay this is like a reenactment of like what what happens um, to show you hey somebody's you know running the story of what's going on like you know when the brothers find out that you know Benjamin has the cup and Yosef said and when they find out they, it says they tear their clothing um, right. and in like mourning and I'm like I just couldn't help thinking that like they tore away Yosef's coat like off his back mm. and like there's just like this it's almost like you know the Rambam Maimonides says you know the ultimate tshuva is being able to like you know do full repentance is to go through the exact same experience right. and overcome the test and you know we, we, we wonder about like Yosef putting the brothers through the ringer through this thing um, I, I remember at one point I wrote a joke that said Yosef uh, had the brothers, you know, wanted to put his brothers through this test. And at one point he was, you know, to test them even more, he made them talk to Time Warner Cable first. <laughs> um, I guess Spectrum now, but whatever. It was it was yeah. a few years ago. Uh, yeah, no. So so the, this idea that like really any any internet provider any internet or anything, and you press or you know, cell phone service that works with everything before you get a human on the phone. 
um, let alone one that speaks Hebrew and Egyptian. Uh, right. No, but but like so, this idea to that that the uh, brothers are going through this thing to like this exact model of what they did. So like for Yehuda, when Yehuda gets up there finally in this week's parsha, it says that like Benjamin's get taken away, and it says Yehuda approached. And I know the commentaries say this whole thing like Yehuda basically was like ready to like fight and pretty much fight for for Benjamin, and that was like the ultimate. And you wonder like Yosef like kind of turns on a dime after this whole speech, and Yosef finally says, okay, fine, this is the time I'm going to reveal myself. Um, but like you see that Yehuda is like stepping up. Um, so part of it is like Yehuda was A, the one who said, you know, at the beginning of the story, of the beginning of Yosef being sold, he said, you know, he said, what profit are we going to get from you know, killing him. Let's just right. get rid of him. So Yehuda is the one who find who, who who like almost even if he didn't make this deal with Yaakov in the previous part, just saying like if Benyamin doesn't come back, I'll take responsibility. Like Yehuda almost realizes. He says, "Listen, I've lost two children. Um, right. Your Yaakov essentially is like um, I've lost two children at that point, and I'm going to lose a third if 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 uh, if you know Benyamin doesn't come back." Um, huh. So it's just a it's very and so Yehuda is the one to say, okay, fine, I know what you're going through in a way. Um, well, because yeah. I, I always thought the Yehuda and Tamar story, like the idea there in last week's pressure was about him like learning to take responsibility, but I never thought about it in terms of him losing two children. And then in the next Parsha, he's worried that his father is going to lose a second child, and he's like, no, I just went through that. There's no way I'm letting that happen. Yeah, no. That's really- yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about that directly uh, just now. Other than, um, well, I meaning is also that like you can hear it when Yehuda says he says to Yak uh, to Yosef at the time when you know when he's making this appeal, he says you know the thing he says um, he tells what Ye- Yaakov said over when Yaakov was hesitant to give up in Yemen, he said, my father said. Uh, my wife had two sons. My wife bore two sons, both of whom right. are will be gone. So now think of this from a from a from a you know a, a, gen, a Bereshi standpoint. The entire book is this entire Leia Leia Rachel rivalry of who's the beloved wife. Yehuda, the the son of Leia, now has to say to an outsider, right. her father loved our aunt more loved, loved Rachel more and her kids more than so right. So his ultimate, I guess, repentance is having to admit and get up there and say, look, our father clearly had a favorite wife, clearly had favorite kids. And that's not easy to admit. Right. But we have to do, even if, even if we're going to be, you know, what's a second, uh, you know, non-favorites necessarily we still have to do we have still have to stop stop this from happening Hmm. um and 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 then one other parallel i noticed is that it's so ironic that yehuda yehuda specifically says he says if we don't bring him back our father will die and i just think it's so ironic that it's like the torah being like almost like saying uh, like yehuda could have like why didn't you think about this you know, 20 years earlier. That, right. Why didn't you think, what would it do? Like, I always wanted, wondered, you know, the, the opinions 
uh, a lot of say say that like oh the brothers were justified in selling him or they thought they were not justified actually but they, in their minds they like you know they figured that it was a threat to the, the it was better nation right? and stuff like that but I always find that a troubling because why go through this coat situation and go go pretty much lie to Yako's ya- ya- face right. and if they were if they were right why are they lying about it so the fact that like the so they should have like and how did they not go through like What's this going to do to Yaakov? How did they not care that much about their father's feelings? Their hatred was so over-consuming that they couldn't think about what would it do to their father. Hmm. So that's just like another way that you'd uh, like learnt. Yeah, that he says. Like learnt to like not, that he's not the center of the, of the world. Well, and, 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 that's, and that, I think that's what's interesting is because I think this is what sets the stage for him being the the tribe that will be the king. That Hmm. being able to put yourself secondary. Right. And again, that's what Moshe did. Moshe was so humble to almost to a fault at some points, but he, to put yourself say, this is more important than me and to put your pride aside. And that is maybe what, Yehuda got to be the same thing with the Tamar thing to, to finally step in when you don't have to necessarily and do what's right when it comes down when the you know when everything comes down to it that's what it takes to be a leadership to, you know in a leadership role and that's what maybe got right. him to um to do it yeah I I actually wrote a I wrote a paper in NYU about uh about kind of that topic about like when somebody's like not the chosen one and they like support the chosen one that's when like they really it really does good things so like this is a good example of that of Yehuda like supporting Binyamin and Aaron and Moshe support each other so they really do good things but like when Asaf doesn't support Yaakov or Yishmael you know doesn't support Yitzchak when um, you know, whenever somebody, do, when Kyan doesn't support Hevel, when, you know, whenever somebody doesn't help out, like it doesn't work out. And whenever they decide to like step aside and be like, you know, it's okay. Um, put their egos to the side, then it really works. And you see that with Benjamin for sure. Oh, with Yuda for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, the times it's like, this is brothers banding together for good as opposed to, you know, before brothers banded together, you know, to, for evil. And, and mm. it's, they're just like, okay, they finally learned their lesson of what, what needs to be done. If, the, if you really want to be the, the tribes that'll, you know, be the, the namesakes for, for the tribes of, of, of the Israel, like you gotta, you gotta get over, there was going to be such a thing as Cohen and Levy and there's going right. to be these ideas of people, quote unquote, being in a higher position of power than the other. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't make you any less. It's just a different role. Right. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, do you, can we switch sure, over? Sure. Yeah. So a question that I've always had that I've never gotten a good satisfactory answer, um, but I found one this week was like why Yosef doesn't try and like contact them like after, or at least his dad, yeah. right. After, after he becomes like second in command in Egypt, he's like the richest person in the world. And like, just like 
I mean, obviously he can't call his dad, but like, why doesn't he just like send a messenger? Hey dad, I'm alive. Yeah. Well, well I, also, I also, well, they, 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 they say like, Oh, how did Yosef's brothers not recognize him? It's like, Oh, he had a beard. And you're like, oh, right. what is well, this, Clark Kent? Like, uh, he had glasses. But, but it's been 22 years. I don't know if you hadn't seen. No, I hear that. No, Trump. that's that's that that could be legit. Yeah. Be, but yeah, I hear I hear with, with, too. He was in Egypt. I mean, like even the superheroes that have masks. Like, come on. Yeah, you're like, okay, we we know what you look like with your know, upper upper right. upper face covered, and you're like, oh, cr- right. well, cr- cr- that's why Christian Bale does the voice because. If he didn't do the voice, he'd be totally recognizable. <laughs> but like, yeah, but like, why, and why doesn't he just tell them? Like, what? I don't know. The, the bigger question that I've always had is like, why doesn't he just send like something to his dad? Um, so an answer that I found um, by Rav Yol Binun. Um, he's a rabbi that teaches at at Gush in which is a yeshiva in Israel. Um, but I, I first learned about him when he came and taught in like a summer program at TVC, which is the high school I went to um, in Teaneck. And he makes the argument, the reason he didn't send for to his dad is because he didn't know the whole story. Like we, we hear the whole story. And for us, it's like one narrative. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that their brothers lied to him, lied to, lied to his father, right? Like he didn't know what happens. So what he thought happened is that his brothers either lost him or sold him down to Egypt and went back home and told their dad, we lost him. And his dad never tried to find him. Like he's lived these last 22 years, not realizing that his father thought he was dead. Um, This whole time he thought like his father just didn't care and didn't, didn't like had disowned him essentially. And so he doesn't try to find his dad because he didn't think his dad wanted him to be found. Well, right. Well, it's a couple things also that like with the whole layers of, of earlier stories in Beratius, like Abraham sends away Yishmael to the desert to presumably die. Um, and, right. you know, uh, they're completely, you know, hey, we're going to go in a completely different, you know, direction. And, and maybe Yosef thought, okay, I am the castaway. Whatever. But it, I'm the castaway. It's, even, it's a really good point also because... Yaakov suspiciously says, "Hey, those brothers that hate you, can you go go uh, go yeah. find them in the random, random town?" Oh, interesting, right? Maybe he said he even thinks his dad like almost like up. a mafia hit where it's just like, "Hey, uh, yeah. let's go for a ride," and uh, and like it's especially because his his dad had that similar type of thing where like his mom convinced his father to switch who was the favorite son. So maybe that happens here too, right? Maybe Leia got to, got to Yaakov, uh, convinced him to send him away and do this mafia hit. <laughs> and like, or no, yeah. and like, well, yeah. or not even, well, not even just, yeah, uh, not even necessarily a switching thing, but just the fact that like, it's very right. clear. Like it says like the Yosef, like, brothers were clearly like openly like jerks to him. And like did not like him openly, and it was not a secret in any way. And so Yosef, right. so Yaakov saying to Yosef, "Okay, uh, go to this thing." It's almost like you know, it's go, you know, if you want to talk the parallelism, they're talking about Abraham about to you know sacrifice Yitzchak, and 
Yeah, right. uh, you know, he just like doesn't know at first why, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever you need." And like, yeah, you know, same thing. Right. Okay, I guess you know, my grandfather's done. My I guess grandfather's done what... weirder things at their father's, at right. father's requests, but uh, I guess I'll go. You know, potentially risk my risk my life for this to go to go find my brother, find my brothers. Um, no, that's an interesting point. Yeah, well, it's also way better than the. I've heard like, you know. Store sources and like I think Art Scroll says a lot that like, oh there was like a like a ban on saying what happened which I don't that doesn't make any believable sense to me. Right, and the the reason why I like this so much is because it explains a whole bunch of other questions like why he came out to his he revealed his identity to his brothers at that moment he reveals his identity to his brothers right after. Um, Yehuda tells him that we lied to our father. Our father can't imagine, like when he tells him, like, no, our father's really sad and thinks his son is dead. Right. So then all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, wait, no, I'm your brother. Like before he thought he was disowned. And now all of a sudden he finds out that that wasn't the case. Um, so all of a sudden, like, his whole attitude changes. That's really interesting. He's like messing with right, meaning because he, because he, then, right, until that point, he has no idea how Yaakov feels. Right. So maybe the whole thing is to figure out not how the brothers feel, but how Yaakov feels. And he finds out that how he finds out how Yaakov feels, and then all of a sudden it changes. Um, that's really, that's really and and it explains like when he when he asks like I am Yosef Haoravichai is my father still alive. Like he knows his father's still alive. Does my father still care about me? Because the, is he's asking, does my father still care about me? Is the father that I remember still alive? And he finds out that that's actually the case. And all of a sudden, um, he's overcome with emotion. You know, his whole attitude changes. Then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, let's be a family again. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, instead of causing all this strife. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. No, yeah, no, that, I, right. So that's, that's what's that's what's good about you know looking at the text from a your own interpretation and like you know looking at the story and saying like hey what's why did that person act that way like I, I like that you know I grew up with a lot of like midrashic whatever so it, the problem is it like influences you and you don't look at it from this yeah. perspective of uh, hey like why is Yosef acting this way like Yosef like and then people are like oh he has to fulfill the dreams and you're like maybe i mean yeah he's like okay like these dreams are happening um and it's like he has to make the dreams happen that's that's a strange thing i think right. he just is like oh right. well, we talked yeah. about we actually talked about that last week um but yeah um it, it it's definitely strange and like um i don't know yeah it's it's cool for that reason i also feel like it's cool um, because I think when we go through the text, we don't realize, we don't think about like, like we know everything, but they don't. They only know the parts where they're there, and I don't. I feel like that also makes it hard. The the, the fact that we think about the midrashim for sure, but also the fact that we're we're all knowing, and Yosef isn't, and Yaakov well, isn't, and you need to like almost remember that they don't know. Yeah, no, it, right. No, that's that's a great point. Well, also I, what I noticed is like last week when Yo Yosef is like, fine, I'm going to put you in jail. Like Yosef's like, you're spies. I'm going to put you in jail. And like the brothers, like finally, like tip their hand. And I think it's really like the first part point 
in the Torah so far where like characters express regret. Like I mentioned, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I noticed when I was looking at like Moratius, like with the original, you know, the original, original sin, the first few sins that people do, everyone kind of just passes the buck. Like, you know, autumn eats from the tree and he says, what did you do? God's like, what did you, he said, first he says, where are you? And he says, well, the woman made me do it. And then Chava says, what did you do? The snake made me do it. And then he says to kind, did you kill your brother? He's like, how, he's like, where's your brother? How should I know? And like, he's like, oh, I didn't know like a rock to the face was going to kill him. Like, you know, um, and this is the first time we see like, a, like characters regretting what they've done. They, they openly say, do you see God is punishing us for what we did? And like, I don't think that I, and, and I, I may be wrong, but as far as I know, until this point, that doesn't really happen. And I don't even know if it happens much in Tanakh other than like David Amalek when, yeah. you know, after the Batsheva thing, when he sleeps with Batsheva and like, you know, Natan, the prophet, like tells him like this, oh, this analogy. And he like says, you know, and finally he says, I sinned, I did the wrong thing. And, or maybe Shaul mm-hmm. when after it's too late with Amalek, but, uh, you know, not really right. Amalek, but like, it's very rare that that characters kind of express regret so openly, and that's right. a really and that might be why why this works so well afterwards, because they're willing to do well, that. What works? I think if that fits into like this relationship works. Um, I think it fits in with what you were saying before. Like the reason this relationship works is because like they're will like you just willing to like say I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Yehuda being the one to say, "Listen, I'm going to advocate for a ben, a bene, you know, one of the bene Rachel to be saved. Right. I'm going to do anything. I'm even, and a lot of the, I think the, the sources say, like, uh, you know, he was even ready to like fight Egypt and say, "All right, we took down Shlem. We got it. We can do it again um, if we need to." Right. Um, yeah, I always wonder. My question I always had was. Do you, do you think Yaakov ever found out what happened? I would imagine like Yaakov's first reaction be like, what the heck happened? Right. Cause it's, it's just like Yosef doesn't know. He thinks his father disowned him. Like then what happens? Like, does Yaakov know what happens? You know, I don't know. We never find out. Um, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't want to know. Well, I can't imagine Yaakov. I mean, yeah, Yaakov, no, no, but I can't imagine. No, I mean, but I can't imagine Yaakov. Like the the brothers are in Shem, and then all of a sudden Yosef goes, and the brothers say, uh, "Whose coat is this?" Uh, very callously, and like Yaakov must. I mean, I think people say that, but like Yaakov must have suspected something. Right. I would assume he did, because um, like I would presume he wouldn't think his brothers his sons of killing one of their own is pretty intense right he must but but he must have thought something was up in i i I would think he he would think that at least okay and then maybe that's why he could never have been consoled uh like the torah tells us that maybe maybe that's why it's because he didn't he felt like something wasn't right like he couldn't get past it yeah because he is like right if you're you can't mourn if you're thinking like there is, hasn't been justice done. Right. And if you're thinking they got away with this and, um, and it's ironic that like Yaakov is the instrument of them going through this thing again, because he says, go down to Egypt and like, 
kind of like start the real the you know um the wheels right. again that's interesting that Yaakov sends Yosef to go for his brothers and then Yaakov sends the brothers to go for sends Yosef. the brothers huh yeah um, um interesting right i think that fits into this whole circular nature of this for yeah sure. and that's why i think like that's why i was like okay these three partios are like really set aside to um it's also, it also in my, my Yehuda idea I was just thinking a Yehuda idea of like being, Yehuda, being the, the leader let's say over Ruvain who was the Bechor before um it really makes a lot of it it it, it helps because you know Ruvain at the beginning when Yosef gets sold Ruvain says let's throw him in a pit and like with secretly saying like it's a secretly okay. He was gonna get him, go get him later, and save him, and then. Right. But like the Torah is like maybe saying that's not enough. Like you can't, you gotta, you gotta stand up for what's right. You can't necessarily just go play along, you know. Almost like when at the time of the Egel, or the, sorry, the time of the Maraglim, like Kalev, one of the two good Maraglim stands up and says you know, it says Kalev stood up like he was going to say something against Moshe and then he said the right thing. So it's like, almost like to right. be this in this leadership role, you can't be, you got to say, like Yehuda is different than what Ruvain does. Ruvain doesn't actually stand up to his brothers and he totally could have and just said, no, we're taking him home. We're not going to do this. But instead he didn't do that. And Yehuda differently, Yehuda is willing to go against a stranger to save their brother. Right. Um, one last thing about about um, about Yosef not realizing what went on. Um, like, I think it's just uh, yeah, an yeah, interesting yeah, Yosef. Uh, about Yosef not knowing what was going on, or well, really both. Because on some level, I think it just amplifies the idea that so many problems come up from just people misunderstanding the situation. Right. Like this could have been solved a long time ago. Right, Yosef. Maybe even when he was in Potiphar's house, could have reached out to his dad and said, "Hey, I'm alive. I'm okay. Come down and get me." But like he thinks he's cast off, so he doesn't do anything, um, and he has all this time. And Yako's back there, you know, all sad all the time when everyone's getting screwed over, just because no one's. Everyone has all these misconceptions, um, and I feel like so many fights especially in marriage, but like all over the place is really just like people not full, knowing the full story and not being willing to like communicate, try and see if they can find, yeah, communicate. And I feel like you have some jokes about that. I can even think of one. Oh yeah. Let's hear it. Um, um, I don't know the whole thing, but it's about like when you get stuck on the subway. What? Which? Um, and yeah, when you get stuck on the subway and your wife's texting you. I'm um, trying to think what, what, what my joke. Are oh, you can't even think what I'm talking about? But it's like <laughs> it's like the texts get like more and more crazy um, oh, <laughs> as time goes on. I have a, well, I have a couple in, incident instances where, or one time where like my wife was stuck on the subway and we we're going going to go out to eat and then go see a movie and then I ordered the food and I had like a kind of like an Elaine Juji fruit moment where I, I I texted her saying like, "All right, the food's here. Where are you? I'm hungry. All right, I'm eating without you." All right, now I'm working. <laughs> and like the entire, you could see the entire text of me just like going through this roller coaster of emotion, but also I still <laughs> fed myself. And then I had to go through the debate in my head of like, if something, God forbid, happened to my wife, 
would I wrap up her food to go and bring it to the hospital? <laughs> like I went through that mental debate in my head um, right. and I decided yes, cause she would definitely be hungry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, that's no, it's definitely a good, a good call that like, you know, there is communication is such as like a vital thing that gets lost, especially in the age of texting and everything. Like I say, like, right. you know, whenever somebody writes the word no to a question of yours in a text, it always seems like they're mad. And I don't know what that is. No matter what the question is, it's like, can we build a rocket ship? No. Like, no, no matter what. Especially with the period. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, but I also think, by the way, that that is part of the reason why um, our, you know, our dialogue as a people and as a, you know, national conversation is so fractured right now because everyone reads things via text nowadays on, on, on right. Facebook, on, on websites, on blogs. And the, you're, you're, when you read the text, you don't know what the person meant fully with nuance, with nuance and their tone. And you interpret your own thing. So you're already assuming they're mad or something. And then you defensively get respond. And then they already are upset. They're like, why are you reacting this way? And so it's a very interesting thing that if people actually like talked either face-to-face or on the phone more, um, I think you would, there would be a lot less, you know, um, I guess, hate and, you know, arguing. Um, right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. One, thing, one thing I was going to say was last week I noticed was uh, just a, a parallel. We were talking about parallels, and I noticed, like, last week it says that, like, you know, Yosef was in jail, and then all of a sudden he got, he, you know, Paro says his dreams – and then Yosef interprets the dreams and Paro says, okay, good. You're going to be the ruler now. So I said, it's interesting that, that Paro listens to his dreams, listens to the interpretation, takes his advice and frees a slave, essentially. And mm-hmm. when in the beginning of Shamos, it says a new Paro arose. And the commentaries say the ones that... A paro that didn't know Yosef, so it's like you don't know if it's a new, actual new person, or just like a paro that didn't remember Yosef's thing. And I think part of my my interpretation of that now, I think about it as like a paro that didn't know Yosef was like, here's a, in this in Parshas Kate's last week was a new a paro got up, listened to a Jewish Hebrew slave, and took his advice about a warning from God, and freed us and freed him. Now paro in Shamos does not free slaves and right. does not listen to a, a, a bunch of warnings from, you know, someone that God's going to do something to you. You can, you can do something to Egypt. And it's just an interesting thing that, you know, what, uh, how, you know, the obstinance can, can really kind of make you not listen to, right. to, to a warning. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Sure. Um, and people should book you for shows. Yeah, I have a website called elliecomedy.com, cool. E-L-I comedy.com, because Leibowitz is very hard to spell. <laughs> um, I say that when my grandparents got to Ellis Island, they said, do you want to spell, how do you, you want to, how do you want to spell? They said L-E-B-O-W-I-C-Z, and they said, are you sure you want to spell it that way? And my grandfather probably said, sure, worst case scenario, our grandson doesn't get a bunch of emails he's supposed to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, elliecomedy.com. I'm on Twitter, at Ellie Leibowitz, on Facebook, Ellie Leibowitz, and I will do comedy at your Jewish event. Okay, and and those listening, pay attention for more episodes of In the Podcast.